Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 6th of March 2011, entitled, That I May Know Him. And the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to open your Bibles once again to Philippians chapter 3. We look at just a few simple thoughts this morning. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Father, we thank you again this morning for our time together. Now we pray that you would help us, Lord, as we look into your word for just a few moments, or that you would give to us that which would speak to the hearts, the needs of each one here this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I heard one preacher say one time that the book of Philippians is just one of those little books which like all of the Bible, if you really think of it, he says it's like an orange. You squeeze it and you squeeze it to get all the juice out, but there always seems to be a little bit more to get out. <laughs> and of course, with the book of Philippians, you, you think that you've read it and studied it and got everything from it, but with God's Word, it never runs dry. There's always a bit more that he's got for you there. We find the Apostle Paul, as he is writing to this church at Philippi, he is making it very clear here that he's been willing to sacrifice all of his position and power and things that he had in life for one reason, that he might know Christ, that he might know him more fully. 
He said there in verse 8 and 9, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, but rubbish, but waste, that I may win Christ, he says, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I want us just for a few thoughts as we have come around and celebrated the Lord's table in remembrance of Him this day. I'd like us just to focus for a few moments on verse 10 here. Probably a very familiar verse to most of you today. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him, the Apostle Paul is saying here. That I may know him. First of all, knowing him, his person, knowing Him personally. Many people today know all about Jesus Christ. They know all kinds of theological details. Matter of fact, you can know every fact that's ever been recorded about Him in all the world and yet not know Him. We find this true with many in the world today. There are many people that you have never met personally but you know all about them, or at least many things about them. Maybe it's because they were a great historical figure and you have read and studied many things about them. Maybe it's because that they have great power in this world and because of the position that they hold. You have learned much about them. Maybe they are just a either famous or infamous person that much has been written and said and told about them. There are many people that we know about. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that I may know him, that I may know him personally, knowing him. His emphasis here is upon gaining a, a deeper knowledge and intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, for that to be possible, first of all, we must know Him in salvation. That is the first place that we can even begin to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times we would use the question synonymous, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? As asking someone if they are saved. We find that to know Christ to know Him, first of all, must take place through learning and hearing and knowing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that which we remember about Him here today in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. It is not enough to merely believe that He existed. It is not enough to merely believe that He is even alive in heaven today. 
It is not enough to merely believe everything that the Bible says about him, but to know him in salvation is to know him personally. You see, nobody else in all of the world, religion likes to confuse people. Religion likes to let people think that they know the things that make them safe. But I'm saying to you today, as we remember him, if you are to know him personally, it will begin with you personally humbling yourself before a holy God and personally asking him for forgiveness for your sin. You see, he doesn't require a lot of you because Jesus Christ has met all the requirements for the forgiveness of your sin. But unless you are personally willing to go to God and ask for his mercy and seek that forgiveness, not based upon how you can change your life and what you can do, what you have done and what you won't do in the future, but based solely upon that one that we celebrate today, his death, his burial, his resurrection is the reason that you can have forgiveness. And if you're not willing personally to seek that forgiveness, you will face God one day with your sins, not because he wants it, because you've never made the move to know him personally, to know his person. He is there. He is there. He is waiting with outstretched arms. He has done everything to make you acceptable before the holy God. But I would remind you today that you must know him personally, yourself. Don't trust religion. Don't trust the church. Don't trust your knowledge about him and religious matters. But do you know him personally? Nothing will take that place in your life. But secondly, Paul's talking about something more here. Yes, the first step is to know him in salvation. But he's speaking about knowing him as one that already knows him in salvation, but wants to know him in a deeper way, in a fuller way, in a more intimate way. You know, some of you, a few of you out there have been married as long as uh, my wife and I have. <laughs> You know you've been married a long time when you can start a sentence and she can finish it for you, right? <laughs> the simple truth is, is that, you know, after being together for 30-some years, she may not like everything that she's found out, but she knows me a lot better than she did when we first met. <laughs> and, of course, I can honestly say not because she's here, but to know my wife more is to love her more. And I can thank God that maybe I'm not the young romantic that I one time was. <laughs> but I love my wife more dearly and more intimately than ever. And I know her more intimately than ever. You see, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know him enough to love him already and know that we want to spend all of eternity with him, just as with our spouse. But in time, we should grow to know him more intimately, to know him more fully, to know him more deeply, 
to love him more because of who he is. I wonder this morning, you know, do you really want to know him more personally, more intimately? We don't have time this morning, but go back and reread those verses that we just read. You see, you'll discover that the Apostle Paul, before his conversion, he was a great religious person. He was a very active religious person. And a matter of fact, in all sincerity, he thought that he was doing God great favors when he was trying to stamp out that cult known as Christianity because he was so brainwashed in his religion. Paul had position. Paul had power. But Paul said that he was willing to say goodbye to everything. That as a matter of fact, he counted everything that he was and everything that he owned as dung, as waste, as rubbish. That he might know him. You see, do we want to know the Lord that intimately? That we're willing if it means putting everything else aside. All that we have and all that we are to know him more deeply. You see, if there's anything that we're not willing, if there's anything that is more important to us, anything that's more important than knowing him, then we can never truly know him as the Apostle Paul is talking about here. We find that there's Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, a verse that is often used in dealing with non-Christians, but in fact, he was speaking to the church here. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, he says, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying I have no doubt that Jesus wants that relationship with him to be more intimate. He is standing. He is waiting. He is willing. But do you desire that today? Do you want that of him? But not only, we could say much there, but not only did the Apostle Paul, as he says here in this verse, that I may know him, and notice he says, and the power of his resurrection. Not only knowing his power, person, but knowing his power. The word that's translated as power here, dunamis, is speaking of a miraculous power, a superpower, the power of his resurrection. You know, Jesus talked to his disciples about his death and his resurrection. As we look back and we can say, well, you know, where were these guys' heads at? He explained so much of this to him, and yet they understood so little about it, even after he had told them face to face. But they didn't. It's clear from Scripture. There are things that we should understand as his children. Sometimes we don't. You see, the power of his resurrection, his resurrection 
is the most graphic illustration of his power anywhere. Stop and think about it. I mean, it's one thing for somebody that's alive and somebody that's living to have some miraculous power to be able to, to do something. But we're talking about one that in all senses was dead. <laughs> he wasn't even alive. There was no life in that body whatsoever. And yet even as a dead man, he had the power to resurrect himself and to give himself life once again. There is no greater illustration of the power that he's shown over both the physical and the spiritual realm when he rose from the dead. Gospel of John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, Therefore, doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes, man has been... <laughs> looking for the fountain of youth ever since that the history of man has been recorded. But there's only one place that any fountain of youth can be found, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, he says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost has been given to each and every one of us. That living water should be flowing through each and every one of us. Jesus had the power of life and death. We can look at many things down there. He, he that laid his life down, he was the one that took it up again. Why? Because Jesus Christ was God, and God is omnipotent. That great theological term that basically just means he has all the power that exists. All the power that exists. It exists in him. He's the one. So many scriptures. Psalm 3, 6 to 9, by the word of the Lord was made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth he gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast that I may know him. To know him personally, there is no other relationship in all the world like knowing him. But to know the power of his resurrection, what I'm trying to say, that same Jesus Christ that demonstrated graphically that power that he holds over life and death, 
that same God that spoke the world into existence is the same God that lives within you and I. He's the same God that lives within us today. We can know him. We can know the power of his resurrection. The kind of power that is beyond this world's understanding, beyond anything this world knows, to know him. To know the power of his resurrection. But notice he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. <laughs> we like to fellowship. But we don't usually think about sufferings along with our fellowship. <laughs> we think of good times and fun times and food times. The fellowship of his sufferings. Knowing his person. Knowing his power. Knowing his passion. His passion. That doesn't mean that we can share in the vicarious death, the vicarious sufferings that he died to pay for our salvation. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It does mean, however, that we can share in his reproach. Are we willing to actually suffer for righteousness' sake? Are we willing to suffer the kind of scorn and reproach that Jesus Christ suffered? You see, Christianity is usually accepted okay as long as you don't get too serious about it. I can promise you, in the 2,000 plus years, you won't find Christianity very popular when people are serious about it. It makes all the difference in the world. You see, the world wants you to compromise. The world wants you to make room for them and their ideas. You find that so many will use Christianity whether it's to gain political office, approval by others. They'll use the tag. But you don't see much change by their lives, even in the positions they're in. This world is heading for judgment, and nobody's going to stop that. The prophecies of the Word of God are sure, and they are concrete. Everything that God has said will come to pass will surely come. You see, that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, Christ understands all of your sufferings. He understands everything that you're going through. He understands how tough it is. He's already suffered far more. He's already suffered far more. There is a deep communion of suffering that every child of God should share with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Second Peter chapter three, verses three and four, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They'll scoff at you. <laughs> where do we see it all? Verse 10 of that chapter, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That day of reckoning is coming. Why does God allow this world and all of this sin and all of the sufferings to continue for so long? Peter answered that question there too in 2 Peter chapter 3, he said it in verse 9 when he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. Listen, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, I say this with the greatest love. Too many things in this life are too important to us. All that God is doing. You see, notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And notice he closes this verse, being made conformable unto his death, knowing him personally, knowing his power like none other in all of the world, knowing his passion, his sufferings, but finally in closing, knowing his purpose. <laughs> Why did he face death? Why did he do it? Because Christ died for the purpose of saving sinners. To a degree, the apostle Paul shared in that purpose. He had a desire. You see, I want you to look at a couple of passages in closing from the book of Romans. First of all, in chapter 8, we see a purpose for mine and your lives. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. And he goes on there. You see, the simple truth is his purpose in coming was the saving of sinners. His purpose in the child of God's life is that we can be conformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. And therefore, his purpose Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, 
but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to leave you with this thought. In Romans chapter 9, I think that the Apostle Paul kind of gives us his own illustration of what he was talking about here in being made conformable unto the death of Christ. Notice this in Romans chapter 9, the first three verses. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He said that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Do you realize what the Apostle Paul is saying there? He said, if it were possible... I carry such a burden for my kinsmen, for those that are lost and don't know Jesus Christ, that if it were possible, I would go and spend eternity in hell myself so that they could escape and go to heaven. The purpose that I may know him, his whole purpose was that the lost might be saved. We need to know him in person, in his power, in his passion, and in his purpose. Can you comprehend? Can I ask you this morning, do you carry the heaviness and burden? Now, it's not possible. But Paul's trying to give an illustration because he is so burdened for those that are lost and not saved. He said, oh, if it were possible, I myself would be accursed. I would be separated from God. I would spend eternity in hell myself so that they could avoid it. Can I ask you, how many people on the face of this earth do you have that kind of a burden for? That's what it means by being conformed to the death of Christ. We come to remember him today, to know him. Do you really want to know Christ in that kind of intimacy? Do you really want to know him that closely? That not only his power, but that you're willing to share in the sufferings, that you would know him in his purpose, which was to give up everything the salvation of a soul. That's the kind of knowing. That's the kind of knowing that the Apostle Paul was talking about when he's writing to this church at Philippi. I can see other things, but our time is gone there. Oh, today, folks, that we might know him, that we might know him, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that we might know him personally, that we might know him in his power, in his passion, and in his purpose. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that as we have tried to look simply at this one verse, 
as this is a day that we have come around this table of communion to remember our Lord and his death and his sacrifice for us. Fathers, we've tried to quickly look at this one simple verse of Scripture. Oh, I pray. I pray that we would have a desire to know him as the Apostle Paul does here in Scripture, that we might know him personally, more intimately, day by day, that we might know his power, the power of his resurrection, that we might share in the fellowship of his sufferings, his passion. We might be conformed to his death, his purpose, for the salvation of others. Lord, I pray that that might be a reality in our lives. You know the hearts of each one here today. I pray, first of all, Lord, I'm sure there's even somebody here today. Maybe they've based it on all kinds of things, but they need to know him, first of all, in salvation. And, Lord, for your children, that they might have a desire to truly know him deeper in the intimacy the Apostle Paul does here. Speak to our hearts. Help us to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.